0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the webinar, and today we are featuring DNV. So DNV are experts in assurance and risk management, and they're involved in some really fascinating projects and have got lots on offer to you, our STEM students. So let's hear all about who they are um, and who they are as individuals as well within the business and meet the panel. So you'll know Steve. Steve's a familiar face on these Grad Cracker webinars. So um, Steve is a talent acquisition partner, the lead talent acquisition partner. And um, so, Steve, tell us a bit more about you and your role at the MB.
1: Yeah, thanks, Carla, and um, welcome everybody. And um, yes, my my role, as as um, Carla said, I'm I look after talent acquisition. I'm not bothered about the the, the lead bit. That, that, that's I'm bothered, quite... Steve. Well, you you can be bothered. Um, so, um, <laughs> effectively I, I help our organisation identify and recruit um, the best talent that we can that we can attract to our organisation and a big part of that for us is our early in careers um, recruitment so looking at after graduates apprentices and um, interns but obviously the other half of my role is very much looking at how we attract some of the world-leading specialists that our business um, creates and relies upon so so that's my role um in a in a nutshell um yep. was, was there a second question you were asking me? Oh, there's always
0: know. a second question for you steve so tell tell me more about and um, why early careers then because i know you've been in the in the industry forever we've worked together for 12 years so tell tell the audience why early careers is so important to dmv
1: yeah, I mean, ultimately, we are very much um, a knowledge-based organization. Mm-hmm. So we we realize the the need to create, not just support a sustainable planet, and we'll come on to that, no doubt, um, as we go through the call. But the only way we can do that is by creating um, sustainable talent pipelines as well. So yeah. we, we want to develop people who can help um, solve some of the the world's greatest challenges, um and bring those people through and these people some of the technologies that we look at hydrogen carbon capture these are relatively new um industries for us you know the Mm -hmm. the move towards renewables is is new as well in, in in relative terms um so from our side it's really important that we bring through the next generation um of talent many of these people are far far more um Aligned and passionate and curious about some of these challenges than maybe previous generations, so we see it's a massive opportunity for us to to attract people in who are really curious and passionate about trying to solve some of those problems.
0: Yeah, I mean you've briefly briefly touched it there, Steve, but DNV is a is a huge company, you know, global worldwide organization. But what. I, Kind of a, in, a, in a nutshell what is it that you actually do so oh, how I was would you? really hoping
1: um... you wasn't going to ask me that question it's almost impossible it's almost <laughs> it impossible yeah, very 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 briefly um fortunately i've got colleagues on this call who will talk about their individual um yeah. teams and departments in a bit more detail but um i guess the part of the business that i'm responsible for mm-hmm. um is called energy systems that's an incredibly and I'll use this term loosely, but an incredibly unsexy title for mm-hmm. what we actually do, I and mean, it'll mean very, very little to most people listening. Um, but what that really looks at is the full supply chain of energy, so from generation of energy all the way through to the transmission and distribution of energy, um, and also looking at the, the, the assets that facilitate that from on and offshore wind farms, for instance, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, looking at solar, looking at, you know, some of our oil and gas pipelines, everything that creates energy and distributes energy and transmits energy is what we're involved in, but it's all about the energy transition. So how we move to a much less carbonized or decarbonized um, environment and to make the things that we do safer and more sustainable for the future yeah. we advise clients we're ultimately a consultancy very technical in what we do um we have a lot of engineers analysts as you'll meet a number of them today but it's all about helping um you know organizations and government bodies right across the energy industry um yeah. produce and transmit and operate their assets in a much safer and more sustainable way
0: we did that very well, Steve. I'm very impressed. So thank you very much. Um, we're going to um, meet everybody else now before we loop back to Steve a little bit later on um, in the webinar. So let's get to know the grads and degree apprentice Ewan as well. Um, so Ari, I'm going to start with you. So could you tell the audience about why you went to university and what did you study?
2: Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, my name is Ari and I studied engineering design at Bristol University.
3: Perfect. Thank you, Ari. Tonya? Hello, my name is Tonya. I am a graduate of physics. I did my master's in physics at Newcastle University. Perfect. Thanks, Tonya. Louise?
4: Hi, everyone. I'm Louise. I studied mechanical and electrical engineering at Robert Gordon's University. Lovely. Thank you very much, Louise. Uh, Jack?
5: Hi, everyone. I'm Jack. I studied chemical engineering at Loughborough University.
0: Perfect, thank you, Jack. And Ewan, a bit of a tweak on the question for you, So Which university are you currently studying at, and what degree are you studying as part of your degree
4: apprenticeship?
6: Hi, I'm uh, I'm Ewan. I'm studying at the University of Wales Trinity St David, and uh, my degree is ordnance munitions and explosives.
0: Oh, that is exciting! Jess's brain's going ping, <laughs> bing, 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 ping bing, about <laughs> the questions that she's going to ask you. And you, how far are you through your degree apprenticeship?
6: Uh, So I'm currently about a year and a half through and I've got uh, another three and a half years left.
0: Fabulous. Perfect. Thank you very much for that Ewan. And so you can see there from right at the beginning of the webinar, we've got a bit of a a mixture of um, disciplines and degrees studied and obviously a mixture of universities as well. So, Steve, am I am I okay to say that you would accept um, quite a few different STEM disciplines from the majority of the universities um, when your opportunities open?
1: Yes. So um, the the nature of what we look for is all of our individual roles have certain criteria against them, clearly. Um, But there is a wide range across all of these roles that we look for, you know, from some of the very clear engineering disciplines civils mechanicals geotechnicals structurals chemical engineering electrical instrumentation um all the way through to some of the more i, I guess like the maths and science type of um uh, maths and physics type of yeah. scientific disciplines um, we've got some very analytical so very much data analysis type ones we've got some naval architecture ones um hopefully i haven't missed too many of them them out there but they're, we, they're very much across the broad range so environmental Mental science is becoming very, very useful for us as yeah. well. Um, mm-hmm. so there's a whole range of different degree disciplines that we look for. And yes, um, we have offices dotted around the UK, main hubs um where we have people, and I know I'm going to miss ones out, so I'll get shot, but main ones tend to be London, Bristol, Loughborough, Manchester, Aberdeen, Edinburgh. Um and we've also got um, the Spade Adam sites, as we were referred to up in Cumbria. And we've got a couple of other labs and testing uh, facilities in, in, in Bishop Auckland and one in the East Midlands as well in Ambergate. So, um, But there are other satellite offices that we've got, but they tend to be the main ones where we recruit um, our, our early careers talent into.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Steve. And sticking with you, um, I know your opportunities aren't currently open on Gradcracker, but will be opening imminently. And so people who are watching, I know we're going to inspire you a little bit later on as part of the webinar. Not that Steve hasn't inspired you already. I'm going to get told off for saying that. Um, can you, we, so follow, sorry, lost my thread then. So follow DMV on Gradcracker to be alerted when they do open their opportunities. So, Steve, when will you be opening? This is a recorded webinar, so you need to stick to your word. So when will you be opening and what opportunities will you be opening?
1: Yeah, sure. So a little bit following on from the last question, really. So yeah. we're, we're going to be starting um, advertising our roles from next week. Um, you'll start Perfect. seeing roles coming out. Um, the majority mm-hmm. of the roles will probably be more in mid-February onwards, over a couple of month period. So mm-hmm. we don't do, we don't release all of our roles at the same time. Um, for various different reasons we like to make sure our process is a bit more efficient and effective I think we'll probably come on to talking about our overall recruitment process later but yeah. we like to keep our roles open for a relatively short period of time so 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 so, you guys who apply to us aren't left sitting for months on end wondering what's happening um, so we like to get people through our process a little bit quicker so we will have a whole range of graduate opportunities across the various stem disciplines that we've we've talked about Um, we will also have a number of both summer and year-long placement opportunities as well Um, and also um, probably more aligned to the areas of the business that Tonya and Ewan will talk about Um, more around maybe some of the more degree apprentice um, roles as well in specifically in that part um, of our of our business where we feel it really suits some Mm -hmm. of the things that we're doing a little bit more than other parts of our business. So there'll be a whole range of those, um, those roles that we'll be looking to advertise. Um, The the other couple of things that might become apparent as we talk through this call um, is that we try to tailor the types of roles to, to, to you. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we don't try to have a one size fits all approach. We're evolving what we are doing here and how we're approaching this. Um, But, We've got opportunities if you want to come on board and join us on a rotational Um, programme that works really well for us because we like people who can understand the broader organisation that we're part of. So you get a chance during your first couple of years with us to go and spend time in two or three different departments um, and get a feel for what they do and whether or not it's what you want to do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, we also have people who join us and they already know what they're passionate about. They already know what they really want to do. And that works really well for us equally. So mm-hmm. we like those people who will join us and develop more of that immediate depth of, of knowledge and get stuck into something from day one, rather than over the first couple of years, they move into different areas and then make a decision where they want to be. Um, so we've got those different um, views. Yes, Colin. So,
0: so just on that similar thread, Steve. Um, if a student wants to apply to more than one opportunity, can they? Because I'm course. just a bit. Yes, yeah, so they can.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Our, our roles are very much individual. Um, mm-hmm. We don't. You don't just apply to a program. You apply to a specific role uh, yeah. because all of our criteria is slightly different for individual roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense that people who have a real desire and a real affinity towards more analytical work will suit certain parts of our organisational specific roles a little bit more than if you're somebody that likes to be a bit more practical um, yeah. you know so there's there's different um natural behaviours that our assessment um or recruitment process assesses mm-hmm. um, and we think that's really important to help you be aligned to the opportunities that most suit What it is that you're looking for, both from a behavioural point of view, but also from a motivational point of view as well. Because we, going back to my earlier point, Carla, I think what stands candidates out for us is their curiosity and their passion um, Mm. for what they're coming in to do. And that curiosity, I think, is linked to both that that passion for wanting to be able to solve problems, um, but also that curiosity around knowing, I guess, how we find the solutions to some of those problems as well. So it's that problem solving skills, analytical skills, those curiosity traits, I think that fit nicely there. But I think the passion linked to curiosity as well is really important. Oh,
0: that's a hint and a tip. I I think I did hear one. Cool. Thank you very much, Steve. So we're going to um, leave it for now for you. Steve will be back in about half an hour or so. Um, We're going to discuss recruitment process, hints and tips and everything else. Um, but now we're going to loop everybody else back in and just get the top facts about DMV before I hand over to Jessica. And um, so Ari, I'm going to come to you with your, for your top facts, please.
2: Thank you, Carla. My top facts is that our boss in Energy Systems UK uh, just got interviewed on Sky, a one-to-one interview a few months ago, talking about DMV's view on climate change and how the uh, energy transition that we're going through is 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 progressing. And um, okay. and yeah, sort of sharing our findings with the uh, with the whole uh, whole of the UK. Perfect.
0: Are you are you involved in that project, Harry, or is it
2: uh, tangentially? kind of uh, it's uh, quite a sort of DMV wide effort, the Energy Transition uh-huh. Outlook, which I would encourage anyone who's interested to uh, to go Google. It's a really interesting document.
0: Perfect, lovely. Thank you very much, Ari. Um, Tonya, your top fact.
3: Hello. So I'm based on the Spade Adam site that Steve talked a bit about earlier. Um, my top fact is that uh, the Spade Adam site does a lot of research with both energy, oil, and gas, and a lot of um, testing with like explosives. And uh, Spade Adam as a site has been doing blast testing for over 40 years. Fantastic. Thank you, Tonya. Um, Louise?
4: Um, Yeah, my fun fact is just the fact that DMV is such an industry-wide company with so many different roles and opportunities, and it prides itself on progressing with the future more than its competitors.
0: Yeah, I love that, because obviously the graduates are going to be involved in the future at DMV. Similar thread, Jack, for your fact?
5: Yeah, it's kind of building on. Um, Mm -hmm. So we have uh, offices in over 100 countries all around the world, um, so you might find yourself working with people from pretty much every walk of life all over the world, um, pretty often.
0: Is that what is that what happens to you, Jack? Do you do you get to liaise with people all over the world?
5: Yeah, yeah. I've worked with people in the Rio office um, in yeah. Brazil, the Paris office, uh, Houston, um, and a couple of others, but I can't remember Wow,
7: that'll do my yeah. geography. <laughs> <laughs> with that, then would there be a chance to travel as a graduate, or you know, maybe once to finish the program to? To travel, you know, to these different offices across the, across the world.
5: Uh, yeah, I think there, there's definitely opportunity to travel uh, within the UK uh, in the offices. But I also know of two people that when I was on my placement with DMV, they're currently relocating. One's going to, I think, Madrid, and the other one's going to Australia.
3: Amazing! Oh, wow.
0: wow! Perfect. Thank you very much, Jack. And you, then, last but not least, what's your top fact?
6: Uh, my top fact. So I'm also based at Spade Adam. Um, and the Spirit Adams site was uh, originally opened to develop missiles for the Cold War.
0: Yeah, perfect. I'm oh, so excited, uh, Jess. I'm going to hand uh, over uh, to you um, to talk. Let's talk about journeys. Let's talk about projects.
7: Uh, over to you. Brilliant. Thank you. So, um, Ari, I'll come to you. Sorry, Ari. I will come to you. started it, didn't <laughs> we? Ari. That's okay. We said this at the beginning. I know, I know. I'm (laughs) just going to sit If we could just talk a bit more about your role, what life is like for you, and a bit about kind of the environment that you're working in, so teams and things like that.
2: Sure. So I work in the offshore wind team here in the London office, as has been alluded to. We kind of There's lots of offices around the country, so
1: um,
2: I'm working with people in Bristol, up in Aberdeen, and then more globally for, for these international projects that we work on. Um, within the offshore wind team I guess um, it's quite hard to generalize so I just picked out a a few things I suppose in a nutshell we're independent engineers so to sort of split that up we were engineers we're knowledge based industry we're providing technical expertise to our to our customers who want to better understand what's going on in the industry or an individual project and then the independent side of things is obviously very important um, to DNV and is very valued by our customers in that we build trust between parties that maybe you know there may be lots of money on the line they may be discussing terms for for contracts so being able to have uh impartial view um from from experts is really valued so to, to wrap up i just thought i have a few bullet points on, on some of the stuff we've been working so maybe helping banks understand the risks of a project before giving a loan uh, helping developers understand how feasible uh, their offshore wind project might be helping site owners better optimise how they're running and maintaining their wind farms and helping government institutions around the world uh, understand how the offshore wind industry is changing and how they can respond to that.
7: So that was actually going to be one of my questions for you then. So in terms of from start to finish of a project, you seem as though you're involved in the whole process, if needed.
2: Yeah, if needed, um, we are at least historically have been probably still are i haven't checked the numbers the largest renewables consultancy in the world yep. um so in technically technical consultancy so we have a huge number of experts who can deal with and um, the whole the whole life cycle of a process and um, i suppose given the nature of the work we tend to be involved in certain stages for different projects it tends to not be from start to finish um yeah. we're constantly involved in the same project because that can be sort of five ten years sometimes yeah. from uh, the start of planning to having it um having it uh, be in the sea so um so yeah
7: and what a bit what, what's your team like so yes you're based in the london office but you know what is life like for you kind of on a daily basis you know are you in a, a small team but you know working internationally nationally or how does it look for you
2: so the offshore wind team um or the sort of the offshore wind team that i'm in is eight engineers spread across the uk wow. um sitting sort of more broadly within the renewables projects team of 30 and then I suppose the whole renewable section in the UK is probably double double that. Um, we work quite uh, intensely as a team, just the seven of us, but because of our expertise within the team, we're working lots with our international projects. So Japan, Korea, lots of stuff in the North Sea and in the Baltic, so liaising with uh, Scandinavian uh, customers and uh, the g offices there. Yeah,
7: amazing, good stuff. Well, thanks, Ari. Um... I'll come to you next, Tonya, if that's okay. And if you could tell us a bit about, again, what your role is like at the moment and what life is like for you at DMV. Oh, lights gone out. (laughs) Um, I work
3: in the team at Spade Adam in the scientist team. So we're kind of split into different sections on site and some we have like project managers, engineers and scientists. And we kind of work as a unit on different projects um, to kind of get things done. Um, as a scientist, it's more my role is more focused on understanding the instrumentation that goes into um, uh, like blast testing mainly okay. and uh, what you things that you'd expect. Um, I use my degree a lot how to make the data that you're collecting better quality and then like kind of how to physically put out the instruments collecting the data process it all and like kind of put it in reports and stuff for our clients. Amazing
7: so in terms of blast testing do you do that sometimes on scale uh, you know or do you do it you know kind of in a mini kind of lab and then see what happens how does it work because I can't imagine you know blowing up a a wind farm, for example, <laughs> can be that safe.
3: Yeah, so it's kind of a unique place. This it's more like um, it's very similar to working on a construction site. Okay. it's probably quite. It's like a clumped along. So even though that I say that I'm a scientist, we don't wear like white lab coats, like I think some people might expect from that type. Um, um, yeah, yeah, it's more um, high vis and hard hats. Okay, yeah. So we work work out on site. All of our blast testing is like large scale um and sometimes we do small scale but still all outside and yeah depending on what the need is from the client they bring a problem to us and then we kind of put together how we're gonna solve it whether they want to see if something will pass or fail a blast test um yeah we go from the very beginning cost through the job write all the test procedures how we're going to do it write the risk assessments and then kind of manage the team out on site and Conduct the test. So, um question
7: there, Tanya. So, is it? Are you kind of? when well, you do a blast test? And surely you have mentioned say wind farms, but you could be testing a blast in any kind of situation. Is that yeah. right? Or yeah, is it? Yeah. You kind of had to do the same test over and over, or is it? Could be anything.
3: Could be anything. It's the the variation is like immense. Mm-hmm. Um. Clients can bring stuff to us that they want tested for, like, let's say for example, your wind farm, if somebody wanted to test a wind turbine, yeah. they would bring it to site, probably in pieces, assemble yeah. it up and we would like decide how we're gonna do it, what the best way would be, um, what instrumentation they might need. So like cameras, pressure gauges, and kind of how design where they're gonna go and how that all works. Yeah. and and yeah, take it through from start to finish to kind of get the, the results that they're after.
7: And typically then, how long would it take to build that, you know, put the, the kind of equipment and everything together to blast it to then getting results? Typically, how long does all that take? It totally depends um, on
3: the trial. So we've got some projects that are long-term, like spanning multiple years in the future, are going to go on for a long, long time, and then all the way to the other extreme clients come to our site we might spend a month say planning how we're going to do it writing the risk assessments for that and then we'll spend a week outside um physically doing all of the the blast tests so then i'm thinking about
7: <laughs> <laughs> so in an environment then how do you make the environment that you know you that you're gonna thing you're gonna blow up essentially a similar environment? you know say if you're up in the north sea how can you make that a similar environment to where you, you're going to be and how you're going to you know make it a fair test, I guess.
3: Um, A lot of imagination. Um, <laughs>
7: that's probably the, yeah, so
3: obviously we don't, we, if we're doing blast testing in the North, for the North Sea, yeah. we couldn't like transport the sea to site, but we would just like kind of blast test the components. Mm-hmm. On our site, we've got a lot of test areas, which are basically big concrete pads, okay. um, that we kind of set set things up on but yeah we do try and make it as realistic as possible and that's one of the nice things about our job is that kind of the sky's the limit um, you know in terms of like imagination of what how we're going to kind of solve the problems our clients mm-hmm. are bringing to us.
7: Amazing. So interesting. Sonia. we're going to come back to you a bit more le- le- later on to talk about, you know, a bit more of a project and how that went. But yeah, so interesting. So thank you so much for that. Um, Louise, I'm going to come to you next, if that's OK. Um, same kind of question. If you could just tell us a bit more about your current role and life like at d
4: So my current role is within offshore infrastructure, uh, which is under Energy Systems UK. I'm an engineer based in the Aberdeen office. So my job basically um, involves verification of ongoing reviews and applications that are in accordance with various verification schemes for many North Sea assets.
3: Okay.
4: Uh, so this kind of includes reviewing and auditing operators, the way they manage the asset, their maintenance strategies and any management systems. Um, also including the inspection and testing of offshore plants, equipment, systems, and we report on their compliance with their own verif- verification scheme and the government legislation.
7: Wow, okay. So that's... <laughs> tell us a bit about, you know, again, a bit about the team and what a typical day looks like for you.
4: Yeah, so um, I'm in a team of around 10 people, all of various jobs. Um, I'm within the opex section, which is operations um, within offshore infrastructure. So we're like a team inside of a team inside of a team. Okay. Um, yeah, on day-to-day, there's lots to be done. Sometimes I also um, float to the VMC department, which is more of verification and certification types of like modules and other components. So these will be new designs rather than, Current designs. Okay, right. Um, yeah. And so
7: what does VMC stand for? Oh, now you've put me on the spot. Oh no, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, that's fine. And have you ever, Louise, actually gone offshore? Yes, I have. Have you? What was yeah. it like?
4: So I've been offshore uh three times in the oh, wow. year and a half I've been with DMV and I'm away in two weeks actually. Yeah. So it is um yeah it's it's something else I would say it's it's I really enjoy it um the waking up early is a bit painful and the 12-hour shifts are a bit rough but compared to the office work I would say it's such an eye-opener for what actually happens offshore and how important DNV is to the
7: industry you see that a lot out there yeah and it must be nice when you have had that experience when you're back at your desk you think and you know it, you know, it resonates more I can imagine as well you know you, yeah. that passion. Um, have you always had a passion to go into this industry? Is this something that you've always fancied doing?
4: Yes so I I grew up with a, a father as an engineer um, okay. so I knew all about the industry and when I was at school I was quite for, fortunate that <laughs> A lot of companies came out and spoke to us. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was always something that I wanted to do. Um, but DMV has very
7: much helped, you know, shape my career in a way. And getting the experience so far, is—is is there? A, do you feel like you're on the right path or are you seeing interest in other areas being exposed to different things? Or do you think, actually, no, this is it. I want to carry on doing this for as long as I can.
4: Every time I think... That yeah, this is what I want to do. Something new comes along, and I'm like, I oh,
7: that's my interest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's all the time. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah it's ever changing, which is is so exciting. Um, so thank you so much, Louise. Um, so Jack, you're next on my list. So I'll come to you uh, next if that's okay. Again, same question. Just tell us a bit about you in your current role.
5: Yeah, okay. um I'm a CFD engineer, which is a computational fluid uh, dynamics consultant. Uh, so. Pretty much a lot that involves in is simulating stuff like gas releases, fires and explosions on a lot of oil and gas, but now more and more frequently um, renewables, yeah. sort of like uh, battery storage and warehouse and stuff. Okay. So essentially customers come to us, they're building about to build or fully built sometimes, yeah. um, full installations. And they want to know essentially is it is the risks to workers the structures on the environment uh, as low as reasonably practical. So we essentially simulate them using software and we tell them very detailed information about sort of like uh, blast loads on different areas or heat loads if there's a fire, that sort of thing, yeah.
7: So, Jack, you know, again, kind of picking up from Louise's last comment on ever changing, you know, the the whole world of you know battery use and everything else, the whole life cycle of a battery is kind of yeah, we know about it, but it's kind of new as well in terms of doing it on a huge industrial scale. So, in terms of of your work, I keep I always use the word forefront of technology in these webinars because you literally are. Um, you know, where do you kind of see the the kind of battery? electrical world kind of ending up and you know you must literally be finding out new stuff all the time it must be so interesting for you
5: yeah well the thing is with with the transition to uh net zero we're definitely going to need more battery storage but I think these batteries are inherently dangerous a lot of them with lithium ions because they're so flammable when they do go up um so there's definitely going to be more work for us when there's uh more and more of these battery storage warehouses being put up sort of thing so um, yeah, and we're also starting to do work with carbon capture storage, so sort of uh, CO2 pipelines to see the like, consequences if one of those was the leak, because there's not been that much sort of modeling of uh, CO2. So we're sort of trying our best using uh, data from the spade Island test site to work out if we can properly model this and see if we can accurately say what the consequences would be of a large scale uh, pipeline fracture.
7: Wow oh my goodness so in terms of you know your typical day then Jack you know I, I, I imagine are you in a lab coat are you you know now <laughs> this, this definitely kind
5: of stuff? not <laughs> this kind of I, I am well I, I'm in the London office mainly uh, but I am working from home due to a uh, hybrid working scheme mm-hmm. um, but uh, no i am never never wearing a lab coat <laughs> uh, we, this is all Done on computers we have mm-hmm. software that we have that we use from mm-hmm. outside companies and some that are developed internally yeah uh which is a lot of it is validated on test data which comes again from the spade Adam site um so yeah no i i'm not doing the testing <laughs>
7: <laughs> do you ever feed projects back to the spade Adam site to say you look we've got this data but we're, we we want to actually test this just in case so can you do you ever create projects internally or is it only ever What's I think
5: I think a lot of it comes from when uh, customers have their needs, and then if we are able to use that data to then develop our own models and things like that yeah. the thing is we've sprayed out of them it, it's quite expensive to do so, yeah. definitely yeah. Careful, yeah. so.
7: <laughs> no I get that I totally get that but how interesting so in terms of you mentioned about a hybrid approach Jack to your kind of work in life so how does that work and you know are you can you go in the office as much as you want to as little as you want how's that working for you
5: so we're currently on a 3 in 2 out uh, no set days so uh, i've a lot of the time i've been going in the office more and more because i've found it more enjoyable yeah. uh, but originally uh, yeah i was working from home two or three times a week um then it's simply a case of just sort of let them know when you're coming in and you know it's fine uh, we as a team uh, about 14 of us we have sort of days that we've Not really agreed on, but like we just do anyway. So we usually come in on Tuesday, Wednesdays and Fridays are our main days.
7: That's good, yeah.
5: Yeah.
7: It's good to have that kind of team... Mm kind of bonding time as well isn't it you know so you can shout those questions at one another and you know even just go for a coffee together which is good you know something which again when i'm speaking to students to really embrace that because it's hugely beneficial isn't it you know to to get that skill of working together so great stuff jack so thanks for that and then last but not least you and i'm going to come to you um yeah tell us everything and what is life like as a degree apprentice at dmv
6: so i'm uh, doing an explosive technician apprenticeship, so I'm involved in building explosive charges um setting up trials and then detonating them uh working with kind <laughs> <trying to, laughs> working with the uh the uh, scientists like Tonya and the engineers in the trials um testing products whatever the customer needs so the engineers and scientists will set up the trials and uh, yeah I'll I'll, uh, be involved in building the explosives for it and uh, setting it all up and yeah blowing it up.
7: (laughs) (laughs) just love it. So in terms of going right back okay so you know if you don't mind me asking, you know, quite early on in your career, what made you think you wanted to do a degree apprenticeship? Because you know they're quite new in, you know, in terms of and um, the opportunities that are out there. So what made you want to do this and you keep using the word explosive and blowing things up? So obviously that was a bit of an attraction originally. So tell us about that and you know what really kind of you know interested you to to apply to D M V?
6: Um so I didn't really fancy going to uni full time because okay, yeah. I didn't want to move away um so degree apprenticeship was quite good because it meant I could continue learning but yeah. also working and, and earning, a, earning a wage and um yeah DNV um Spade Adam I've uh i, I live quite local so okay. I uh I hear all the a lot of the testing so I kind of I kind of knew about it um so when I was leaving school I, I seen the seeing yeah. the job and yeah I, I thought it'd be quite interesting so I applied it um it suited me quite well like I say doing a doing a degree apprenticeship so yeah
7: Sick. and then tell us a bit now what life is like for you then so you know again what's the team like you're working I'm guessing you're you, you're still quite local in terms of where your office is based and things you don't have to travel too far
6: no it's uh it's about a 20 minute drive um from my house so it's uh nice and local for me and uh yeah i work um i work mainly with one other person um on a day to day but then for the there's big trials where i get to work with uh, the engineers and scientists and uh, yeah it's, it's quite a big site so I, I work i work with lots of different people which is good um but yeah ma- mainly mainly in the explosive team there's about five of us i think okay. um but like i say with working with engineers and and other people in different areas a lot. So,
7: and you, if you were going to give the advice to anyone else to do a degree apprenticeship, what advice would that be?
6: Um, do it. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was uh, like I say, it suited me perfectly because um, it meant I could continue learning um, mm-hmm. while, while working and earning a bit of money and staying at home, yeah. which is what I wanted to do, but then also getting to go away to university now and then and getting a bit of time away and uh yeah it, like I say I, I, I love it like I wouldn't I wouldn't want to have uh gone to university full-time but part-time's quite nice because I get that experience.
7: Brilliant and you we're going to come back to you in more detail about you know your, your kind of favorite project but just before we do what's the most exciting thing you've ever blown up? Um the vehicle
6: trials are Blown up cars is pretty exciting that, right. Uh yeah that never gets old but um <laughs> yeah lo- there's lots lots of interesting things
7: so is that like a normal car or is it like a hybrid car an electric car what are you blowing it up for just to see
6: um yeah so various really just um blowing it up seeing how it um seeing how it what happens up. really yeah whether it's <laughs> whether things set on fire or just kind of the damage and what yeah. would happen if it was to happen on the outside world.
0: Absolutely. Interviewing and are going to set, start their own chapter. Um, <laughs> so so I'd that to be confident.
7: <laughs> so talking a bit more about projects, Ari, I'm going to come back to you, if that's OK, and if you could just tell us in a bit more detail about um, some of the projects that you've been working on.
2: Sure thing. So I selected one that I was doing towards the end of last year so yeah. obviously all of our work is uh, slightly confidential so i can't sort of name names but i can talk yeah. about it in sort of uh, high level terms so Hi. it was a offshore wind project off the south coast of ireland uh, where they were looking to build build an offshore wind farm and then take all that energy and then send it to shore to split water into hydrogen um there's lots of stuff going on investigating green hydrogen at the moment um uh, as a potential way of decarbonizing um, other industries so it's a very hot topic yeah. and I picked this um picked this project to talk about just because I thought it was might be interesting mm. uh those watching because it was essentially a sort of blank canvas we got a, a section of the the Celtic Sea and got told design a wind farm and wow. design okay. a hyd- well an a electrolysis station um facility for making hydrogen and tell us tell us how good it's going to be how good can you make it so that we they can then Benchmark their what they're planning on doing against competitors and decide whether to go forward. Um, so we yeah, we took all that data. We decided um, we ran sort of lots of complex wake models to understand how the wind resource was working, how big the turbines needs to be, where they needed to go, scoping out um, everything that you can imagine, really, and then sort of summarizing that in a report, giving a um, presentation to our our customers, and then sort of wrapping it up a couple months later with with smiles all round. So.
7: Brilliant. And did, am i am allowed to ask, is it going to go ahead? Well, there's, to
2: that's, that. there's a lot more important people than <laughs> me to, they need to decide that. Um, but yeah, we, we found um, some really interesting, st- um, findings towards how, how, um, design seems to be influenced, uh, how the sort of interactions between hydrogen production and, um, offshore wind generation interact with each other and how that influences. Yeah. The Personally, design of the overall system. But, um, so, yeah, we've a lot of value to our customers. Whether it's going to go ahead is uh, is to be decided. Fingers
7: crossed. Fingers,
3: Fingers crossed.
2: crossed,
7: yeah. see though, Ari, that must be a huge thing to be involved in. You know, again, it's the idea of coming up with something which is absolutely brand new, maybe has never been done before in that particular area. It must be so exciting to be handed a project like that.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's really thrilling. I think particularly renewables and offshore wind, I suppose, in particular is such a fast changing industry that you know currently there are five offshore wind turbines i think in the whole of ireland and we're talking about putting hundreds in the sea um Mm -hmm. talking about sites that are bigger than any that exist now Mm -hmm. and trying to grapple with the implications of that is really really interesting
7: Another question, again, it's more of a personal one I'm asking is, you know, that that passion, you know, it's something that Steve, again, must have mentioned numerous times in, in his introduction, and I've even wrote down the word curiosity and passion, you know, you could really kind of head up this, this webinar after and that'd be the title of it. And do you feel like personally to... Do well in these projects, you know. When you get handed something on this kind of scale, you must have that personal interest and that personal passion and motivation to, you know, come up with these ideas, you know, to be thinking about it all the time and then to kind of go through the lifespan of the project to then hand it over at the end. It must be, you know, again, really inspiring to do that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, passion definitely goes a long way, particularly when it's a difficult project or. Uh, deadlines are quite tight, and you've got to you've got to sort of sort things out quite quite quickly, or um, yeah, sort of find find innovative, innovative solutions for things. Um, I yeah, I'd say that's one of the, the great strengths of the team I'm in is that um, everyone's really passionate about renewable energy and making a difference um, for the planet. Yeah. And yeah, it's very indicative that whenever we're on lunch breaks or maybe down the pub after work, <laughs> it's the first thing we start talking about, which I think That's tells nice, you quite a lot. Isn't
7: it?
4: yeah, genuine
2: definitely.
7: passion. Then, would yeah. you say when you know when you were at university, was that something that again really did interest you then? Or was it was something I moved to... in the Background.
2: Yeah, it was. I guess I was always aware of it, um, but it was something I moved towards over the course of of my degree with the unit. Yeah. I was. I was yeah able to pick and we're fortunate enough to be on offer um and yeah at the University of Bristol I'm not sure if anyone here is uh watching is from the University of Bristol there are um renewables modules that are actually taught by DMV employees so I was aware from, of DMV maybe um in a way that's probably not uh, as common but um yeah, something that I think it just grows over time as you get an appreciation for both the need of it and that from a technical perspective, it's just a really, really interesting technology that's changing very quickly.
7: Yeah, definitely. You know, and Steve, can of come back to you for a second? In, in terms of students applying, students thinking about doing stuff like this, if they mention it now, you know, maybe doing those particular modules or doing something kind of extracurricular activities, that's the kind of stuff that you want to hear now when, when a student is, is applying, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but we just just contradict him slightly what you've just said there, there Jess, because I don't I don't disagree, but I think yeah. the other side of it is absolutely about being able to our organization being able to really um inspire and adapt people who a bit like Ari just mentioned there, that he, he he wants to get into this. This is something that he, you know, deliberately studied and wanted to put to good use. We do have other individuals who come into our organization who know they want to do something, whether it's in our industry overall um, or whether it is I'm an incredibly analytical person. I love playing with data, but I yeah. don't know what I can do with that. Um, yeah, yeah. So from, from our point of view, we try to capture people who, um, you know, have got those different approaches. Likewise, as, as, as Ewan very eloquently pointed out, you know, we, we also want to be able to appeal to people who don't want to go and have studied at university. Maybe you're coming straight out of some A-levels or even, even GCSEs and want to come down the apprenticeship route. We yeah. we we think that's just as valuable for us to build our future pipeline of, of talent and knowledge in our organization. Um so I I agree with you. Um we want people who love doing and know what they're good at, know why they're interested in us, what know why we can help develop their careers. Yeah. But we're also not naive to the fact that some people aren't clear yeah. in their own head yet and even yeah. if they if they could spend a year in our organization and sit in five different teams they might still be no none the mm-hmm. wiser in terms of what yeah. they want to do but it might just identify well i didn't know i could do that i didn't know i could put my skills to use in that and our industry is evolving as well so where we need people will change so having people who got that flexibility and openness but it, it is, it's, you know, it's whether you're passionate about renewables or passionate about people's safety. Um, it, it doesn't really matter. Our overall purpose is around safeguarding, you know, people, property and the environment. It's kind of our strap line that you see on all of our websites. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one goes down, I don't think, a, a, a pub as as, uh, as Ari mentioned after work and comes out with that strap line. But it's just kind of, you know, ingrained into mm-hmm. everything that we do and everything our people do as well.
7: Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And and thank you for making that, you know, more clear, because I think um, that's the thing. It's okay not to know as well, isn't it? You know, it's Mm -hmm. okay. to say I'm good at this. I like this, but I don't know where it can take me, you know, but I want to apply it to this. So that's that's a really good point. And so I'm going to go next to uh, Tonya, back to Tonya, if that's okay. Uh, Favourite project that you've worked on so far? Favourite thing you've blown up, Tonya? Tell us.
3: um it's hard to pick one I'd like you and said before like the the cars and vans are usually pretty good because the the amount of mess that they generate you wouldn't believe and <laughs> um, we do a lot of um blast testing of like windows doors and walls as well um like what Steve was saying you know like totally focusing from like the safety aspect of things people need to know if these things can withstand um blast testing for uh whatever reason and we kind of do a lot of testing with that. Um, also on site um, we do a lot of testing looking at the energy transition that Ari mentioned earlier how we're going to take kind of the UK to net zero but also how we're going to do that safely so we do a lot of testing relating to kind of looking into the risks of you know okay we want to introduce hydrogen into our distribution network but is there any kind of hurdles that we need to overcome with that what are the risks associated with that we're doing a lot of testing with that at the moment with our kind of future grid project um yeah so
7: so in terms of then um kind of these these projects that you are given uh Tonya in terms of it sounds it seems as though and again I suppose when I when I first started speaking I was thinking more the the original source of where energy could come from but I suppose do you cover all the way right through to kind of domestic energy sources and that's something which I, I suppose i kind of didn't i wasn't thinking about straight away but you cover everything really don't you yeah we
3: started off as a side, kind of looking at oil and gas mainly um, stuff and over the years we're getting more and more inquiries into hydrogen um yeah. and working with hydrogen in many different forms um in the past we've done tests on even things like you know hydrogen boilers um and wow. investigating the different components inside are they kind of a risk to make it? You know, like the components make. Will they make the boiler explode? Kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we do a very very wide range of testing, from oil and gas all the way to like hydrogen and um. Then kind of our blast testing as well. So
6: yeah,
7: that's a it's a good point that you've made. Yeah, because I think originally I was just thinking at the kind of the original stuff. So um, in terms of um again a bit a bit more maybe about you know a, a kind of particular project then again is it do you work from start to finish on on projects so you know you mentioned a bit about you know it could take you know numerous you know years to to put a project together you know what what does that typically look like um for the longer term projects
3: it's usually yeah. because they're significantly more complicated and there's just a lot more goes into it so projects like that, that may span many years, you might not see the start of. But what's yeah. also quite nice is joining as a graduate when we have smaller inquiries coming in, smaller projects, and um, they're more than happy to kind of give you the reins and obviously with a lot of support. But yeah, you get to see it from the beginning, you know how to price it, um, going through developing your own relationships with the clients as well, which is really important, um, all the way through to eventually testing and de- delivering the report and then. You know, if the client may want to come back and do some more testing or again in the future. So, yeah, you do. You have a, a total mix of both things. And I think that's quite nice that you have the opportunity to work as part of a bigger team and bigger project, And then also you get opportunities where you've got your own responsibilities to look after as well.
7: That's a really interesting point. well when we say about costing of projects like this. Mm. Yeah, where do you even start to think about, you know, costing you know, blowing something up, you know, and the effects and everything else. And did you ever have find it when, and I'm sure you won't now because you're obviously well trained, but you, there's obviously always going to be an element of surprise in the stuff that you do as well, isn't there? You know, something might happen that you might not have considered.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, if you're pricing the project well, you know, you you build in some contingency, contingency for things like that because you're mm-hmm. totally right. Um, we've had tests in the past, you know, where some of our instrumentation might have, been hit by a fragment for example and we've had to replace it last minute um yeah but it's yeah just making sure that you've kind of are flexible enough to be able to work around any problems when they arise and then also if you've priced the job as well like having some spare money is also good
7: <laughs> I can imagine so yeah being able to adapt uh, you know in certain situations, as I can imagine that's really key for, for you personally as part of the team which is really interesting so thanks for that Tonya Um, next Louise I'm going to come back to you favourite project that you have worked on so far
4: Um yeah so it's currently one that I'm working on just now Um, that we've just completed today uh, so we're currently doing a uh, next generation verification which is basically streamlining the verification process and our review services that we're providing to some of the biggest oil and gas companies. Um, So this will be how we review the modification processes, how we um, go offshore, what the reporting will look like, basically making it more cost efficient and
7: in a way simpler and safer at the same time absolutely and I think that, that's something again is uh, that word that's been used a lot isn't it safety you know again is key all the time and especially in your role and um, so in terms of um I'm going to ask you another question because I'm conscious of time as well um in terms of your future and you know you, we've kind of touched a bit about that when, when we last spoke but you know what do you feel like you, the future for DMV for, for you at DMV is looking like and um tell us a bit about that
4: yeah so I mean, with the endless amount of opportunities, I could find myself changing department. Pretty much depends on if I like whatever job comes to me. Um, Every now and then I get the opportunity to kind of taste the other bit of work and and see that. So I definitely see a future even within my own department or another, but definitely I would say at DMV. Um, Currently with my team lead, we're making... Small plans for the next year on how I can improve within my role, okay. which will lead to bigger
7: plans in the future. So, and do you feel as though you've got a lot of support in terms of training, being able to move, and things like that, Louise? You get that, um, you know, that kind of support all the time.
4: Yes, definitely. Um, I think the the structure that DMD provide for support is really really good I've got because I'm both mechanical and electrical disciplined I have two points of contact for um one of each so I can speak to someone if I'm unsure about anything um within the jobs I do there's always one or two points of contact that I can go to so I have so much support that I never feel like I'm I'm struggling or alone even if
7: the works tougher than I anticipated that's really good thanks Louise Jack I'm going to come to you next but with a slightly different question so kind of moving away from your day job at DMV and what else is on offer in terms of other activities that you can get involved in such as you know networking groups sport groups or anything else is there anything else that you're involved in that front
5: Uh, yeah I can't speak for uh, other offices specifically but I know for the London office we have a sports and social committee who's organise things like trips to the theater uh we did a cooking class um the other month we made uh was it bow bombs and stuff oh, like that yeah, very yeah, nice albums, yeah, yeah yeah nice uh we have a football group that play every wednesday and uh actually just recently we were about to have a inter-office football um tournament uh mm-hmm. in amsterdam in a couple of months oh wow uh wow. so that'll be every like offices from all around uh I, i'm I'm not sure if it's around the world, but definitely Europe will be yeah. meeting oh. too, essentially to essentially decide for once and for all who's the best staff for football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and within like our team, we uh, we go out uh, to the pub like most Fridays, pretty much. Um, we have people who don't drink, so everyone is welcome. Um, and we yeah, and we often have like um, like grad meetups, like me and Ari meet up with a couple of uh, the other graduates in our cohort just to. You know, see each other because me and Ari don't work together but we do work in the same office sort of thing so yeah there's definitely plenty to get on with
7: which is nice because again you know yeah you're working your team but you know you you know it's nice to meet other people from other teams yeah. and have that time to 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 network which is great so you and I'm going to come back to you and um, if it's okay if you could just tell us a bit about maybe your future and what's that looking like for you at DMV but also many I any mean, maybe any additional things that you've been involved in
6: um, so once I've finished my degree, um, I'll progress to be an engineer or a scientist, and then um, I have the option to kind of keep going, do my uh, my masters and even a PhD. There's a yeah. there's an engineer who's just just completed a PhD with DNV. So um, yeah, just pro- probably uh, go as far as I can.
7: Amazing. And it's not exciting to know now at this still early stage that you've got all that to come, sir. So, and I wonder where you're going to end up. So it'd be great to stay in contact with you and really to understand, you know, where your career is going and where all the you know kind of turns it's going to take. Because I can imagine what you'll be working on now, you know, when you're doing your PhD will probably be completely different. Because again, that's how the the industry is going. So very exciting. So Carla, I'll hand back to you so we can finish off with uh, Steve and how we can go about applying. Thank you very much, love. Um,
0: Steve, okay, so obviously it's application stage um, now, so tell all the students who are watching how they can apply to your opportunities when they do open.
1: Yeah, before I do that, because I know you're going to shout at me if I take too long, but before, before doing that, um, what I just wanted to say, just building on from everything that, that my colleagues have talked about, um, is one thing I'm always absolutely shocked about is just how matter of fact they are about some of the incredible and amazing stuff. And yeah. in. it, it just humbles me because I'm not a technical person and I see the things that they do in across all of these different departments. And it isn't the, what they are doing. It's what the impact of what they yeah. are doing has. Um, you know, some of the things may on the surface feel, you know, i'm looking at a report i'm doing some modelling but that modelling will save people's lives
6: yeah
1: um it will change the sustainability of our planet you know that is the impact of what our people do day in day out every one of our projects links to that in some way and i i think we're just too humble at times about saying it whereas i'm not you know me <laughs> so i i can say it um but i i think our people um because we've got some of the greatest world leading experts in their chosen disciplines across you know across the planet but also specifically in the UK it's no better breeding ground to actually learn from and that's why I think I think Jack I, I don't I'm not going to put words in your mouth but you talked a little bit about wanting to be in the office a little bit more yeah. we really encourage that we don't <laughs> force it but we encourage it because there's no better way than to actually sit alongside some of these people who lead the industry with their knowledge and know-how. So um, I I just felt that's really important to say. Yeah, no, second that. Because the the stuff we do, other companies don't get chance to get involved in. The stuff that's been talked about at our Spade Adams site, it's all to do with industry leading, thought leadership Mm -hmm. around the hydro. We're building rows of houses up there and then you know to actually build hydrogen grids and so forth. It's unbelievable some of the yeah. projects that we get involved in, um, and I think our our our, our colleagues. Because they're doing it day in, day out, I think they lose sight of just what a difference they're making to the planet and making to people's safety on a day-to-day basis. Um, so so that that was that. In terms of applying, um well, of said, really Steve, though, toys, well said, Steve though. Well said. but
7: no, thank you guys, yeah. and thank you for doing it on a day-to-day mm. basis because you're the one that's you're the people that's actually making the world's going to be a better place and yeah. a safer place to be you know so thank you because yeah you know don't take it for granted because yeah it's amazing stuff that you are doing so
1: and yeah, it is that you. common purpose that our people have got so it's almost second nature to them um mm. you know whereas uh, so, um so so in in terms of our application process we are revamping it at the moment um mm. just so um we're trying to make it a little bit simpler a little bit more straightforward okay. and a little bit faster um so a couple of quick things when people apply they'll be asked a very small number of questions literally which are aligned to the job advert some of that is because some people may have misinterpreted the advert or not really sure what we really need for a particular role and ultimately our entire process is around aligning what the candidate is looking for so yeah. it's, it's trying to make sure that we don't put candidates into roles that they're not ultimately suited to. We know what makes people successful mm-hmm. in the roles and what sets people up to succeed from a behavioural point of view, from an attribute point of view and from an interest point of view. So our process is all about assessing that, but assessing it objectively not making gut decisions based on well somebody likes snorkeling or scuba diving so they must be very outgoing and therefore they will be better in that team it's about making some scientific and objective assessments so you answer a few questions um, when you apply once you've applied we put you through some very engaging fund-based assessments i know people hate being assessed I'm sorry if you do, but we want to do it objectively and scientifically rather than using gut feel from what uni did you go to, et cetera, et cetera. We think that's a much fairer way that we can treat people more consistently and more inclusively. So so we put people through some what we think are really fun, engaging activities. Then the most important thing for us is we, we make sure that you understand what the roles are, because you know, as we've talked about today, it's quite hard to explain what we mm. do on a day-to-day basis. Um, it's it's quite technical. It's it's new. You know, it's, it's a lot of what we yeah. do, no one's done before. Um, mm. So why would anybody really understand that who's coming from outside? So um, we then do some online briefings, which will help explain the roles in a bit more detail so some of the people on this call may be involved in that other people who are doing the, these day-to-day activities will be involved in that and it just helps us explain to applicants what is it this role does and is it what you thought it was and what you want to do because um, yes. you whilst you might we might feel you're suited to it it doesn't mean that's actually what you want to do and then the final stage of our process um, depends on whether you're coming in as a graduate or if we're doing interns or um, apprentices we may do things slightly different but for our graduates we do run assessment centres we're still we're, we'll probably run a mixture of um, virtual and in person um, to, to to just make it as a, um, inclusive as possible and as easy to um, to join as possible but in those we really look at a range of different ways of, of 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 evaluating people and also giving people more information about what we do so we do group fun group exercise they're not technical they're all about how you engage collaborate problem solve together because at the heart of it that's what we do day in day out but we also like to spend some one-to-one time with you understanding what your real motivations are how you approach different things and also give you some examples of types of work we might do and see what you think about those so it gives you hopefully a really good feel for what life would be like um, if you joined us here at DNV. And we'll also provide you with a bit of a Q&A session. So you get a chance to spend some time in a very unassessed way, very similar to this sort of discussion. But yes. just, you know, give people an opportunity to raise the questions, their reservations or concerns or maybe their lack of understanding of something which they wouldn't particularly have wanted to raise, maybe an interview. Um, So we try to make our processes two-way and as engaging as possible, very aware that for many people going through these processes, it could be their first time. So hence why, we want to make them as informal and as engaging. We're a really friendly bunch. Hopefully, that's come across today. Um, but you know, we you know we've, we haven't got those airs and graces about us. You know, we're not this big corporate machine. You know, we're a really friendly organisation. You know, so it's all about bringing the right people in. You've got that curiosity and passion that we spoke about.
0: Yeah. Perfect. And Steve, if you, I know you mentioned about right the beginning, so one last question. So I mentioned right at the beginning about, you know, show your curiosity, show your passion. Is there anything else, you know, like your top hint and tip that you would give a student going through that whole process? Um, what would it be?
1: Um, honesty, I think. Um, like we, we want to align you to what you are passionate and curious about um and there are lots of different roles across our organization that will suit different people so I think that you know we're trying to be as transparent and honest in our process about what we think makes people most successful um mm-hmm. and what helps people feel that motivation and that that, that passion and interest in particular roles um We want that as well from our applicants as well, because, you know, there will be opportunities for for all, you know, whether it's, you know, I want to come in and I want to rotate. I don't want to rotate. I'm interested in this. I don't know what I'm really interested in yet. All of those things, the more honest you are with us, the easier it is to be able to ensure that the opportunity that you ultimately move forward with is going to be more suited to you. So um, I think from my side, it is. Honesty with yourself, you know, to yeah. to you know what is it that I want, why being able to articulate that. Um, because if you sit in front of some of our interviewers who are absolutely live and breathe this on a day-to-day mm. basis, and you can't convince them that you are interested in it, um, somebody else will, <laughs> in, yeah. in short. And so I think it is knowing what is it that I'm really interested in, because then you'll be more aligned to to the roles you're applying to. Um okay. but yeah, be honest, ask questions um, if you're not sure, um, if you need support. I think it's a really important thing with our process as well, um, Carla. Sorry, I know we're overrunning a little and I know you'll you're give me daggers. but um, <laughs> but But what I would definitely say is we want our process to be as inclusive as possible. So if anybody yeah. at any stage of our process needs extra support, wants to discuss stuff, reach out we're here to help people through the process not to trip them up through the process so if they need extra things for whatever reasons we're here to help so
0: yeah yeah steve you've started it beautifully and ended it beautifully as well so thank you very much and thanks know, i just asked else. my
1: colleagues to just record that little statement
0: <laughs> because
1: uh, you've given me hell today carla so um i'm, I'm delighted i'm delighted I'm like, that you even put a compliment in now
0: i'm, a, I'm a little bit upset at steve i like to think that i've given you hell for the last 12 years but anyway yes, i did yes, try harder for the next 12 um but um, you've been a dream my love you can record that i'm definitely using what you just said at the end as a snippet because these guys are an absolute inspiration. You know, really? some of the stories that you've um, told us, some of the projects that you've been working on are absolutely second to none. Um, so thank you for, from you know, from me and Jess to everybody who took part today. And thank you for everybody for watching this, um, this webinar. Definitely been an eye-opener. I think I'm going to lose Jess to you, you um, and she's wants to go um, and blow things up. Um, so um, don't forget that Steve. Bye. That's the... Bye. Bye. <laughs> don't forget <Bye>. that Steve. <laughs> Steve mentioned that the opportunities will be open next week. Um, So give DMV a quick follow on GradCracker, and then you'll be alerted via email and push notification when they do open up their positions. Um, We will also put this recording live this afternoon. So if you want to go back and and listen to anybody's journeys, um, then you're rather welcome to do so. And we'll also put the key snippets that will be live on the Hub tomorrow as well. So there's lots for you to do, lots for you to get involved in. And next week, Jess and Surf are going to be joined by Colash Rail. So tune in then, same time, same place. Um, but for now, thank you, everybody, for taking part today. It's been amazing. And we hope to see you all again soon. So thank you very much.
7: Thank you, everyone.
0: Thanks, see life, everybody. Thank you later, everybody. Bye.
7: Thank you.